Welcome first-time listeners and returners to the Sports Deli, where thoughtful conversations and insightful guests are always tops on the menu. Join Dr. J and myself, Hootie Hoot, as we continue our discussion on contemporary social, educational, and sport issues. The Sports Deli is sponsored by Sport RX, the leader in sport prescription eyewear. Give them a buzz at 888-831-5817 and let them know the Sports Deli sent you for your 10% discount. Or if you order online, you can go to sportrx.com and enter the code DELI10. That's D-E-L-I-1-0. If you have any questions, you can email them at info at sportrx.com or there's a live chat feature online and you can talk with a live optician. And what separates SportRx from all the other companies out there, not only do they have live opticians that you're going to be speaking with, their knowledge about your specific needs is hands down second to none. Whether you're a, a, a regular golfer, you're a hack, or you're a pro golfer, you know, whether you're playing uh, high school or college uh, football or you're a professional athlete, uh, you're out walking with your kid and your dogs, whatever your needs are for men, women, or kids, uh, they will take care of you. So again, give them a call at 888-831-5817 or go online at sportrx.com. If you want to send us an email, feel free to do so at thesportsdeli at gmail.com. Or DM us on Instagram at Mike Hootner or on Twitter at Michael Hootner. Now grab your favorite bagel or deli sandwich and favorite beverage and let's do this together in the sports deli. All right, we are joined by Crystal Robinson who hails to us from Atoka, Oklahoma. She was a three-time NAIA first team All-American at Southeastern Oklahoma State University. She scored over 3,000 points in her collegiate career and nearly averaged a triple-double in college, eclipsing an unbelievable 26 points, 10 boards, and 6 assists per game. She did all this while almost always defending the other team's best player. She once scored 60 points in a game against rival East Central. She had nearly a 3-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio. Young point guards take notice. She hit one of the more amazing shots ever in the 1995 national semifinal game against Lipscomb of Tennessee, banking in a game-winning three-pointer at the buzzer while parallel to the floor and draped by three defenders. Her mom, Nancy Washington, was a JUCO All-American, and dad, Billy Robinson, played at K-State. She's an author of a new book to be released in February. She's a huge advocate of empowering women and black and brown women and helping them gain financial freedom and the importance of having a good credit score when it comes to systemic racism. She's involved with fighting against sex trafficking, and she is a legend in her home state and has been labeled the best women's basketball player to ever come out of the state of Oklahoma. You can find her on Instagram and Twitter at C Robber, that's C-R-O-B-B-E-R, the number three. Crystal, welcome to the Sports Deli. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. Well, thank you for having me. I don't know who wrote that bio, but uh, hats off to him. So. Hey, let's go. Well deserved. Uh, so listen, we, we have something in common. We both shot 37% from three. Me oh, in yeah. college and you in the WNBA, where you spent a number of years, which we'll talk about in a little while. Okay, so there's a book called The Road Less Traveled by Scott Peck. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's a great book. I read it. He's got an, you know, uh, an extension of that called Further Along the Road Less Traveled. 
you know, and it talks a lot about, you know, how to have success and there is a spiritual component to it, but that's not the main uh, emphasis of the book. And I've realized after doing research with you that you've had success in every aspect of your life, uh, whether it's scholastically in high school, in the pros, on or off the court. And uh, you talked about taking the road less stupid. How, how do you continue <laughs> that to have the word so much, I used? <laughs> that's the word you use. So how, how do you continue to have so much success on and off the court and and share with everyone um, your your um, your secret? I got the I got the main thrust of what you're saying. Not a, not being afraid to make mistakes, uh, not being afraid to ask questions. Uh, you you have you have you consider yourself a type A personality. Uh, what is that? Explain type A to me. Uh, so a, t a type A personality is somebody who's ambitious, uh, very rigidly organized, um, proactive. Uh, really concerned with time management, it, you know, it, high achieving. Is that something that you've always been comfortable with um, as opposed to taking a back seat and, and um, being more of a passive observer and digesting everything first and then, you know, uh, maybe coming to some conclusions later? Uh, you know, have you always been comfortable in your own skin like that? Or was that something that you learned to get better at you know, as you got older, because of all the experiences that you've had uh, over the last couple of decades? No, definitely not. Once, once my book hits, I haven't always been comfortable in my own skin, but I, I would try to say I'm probably a pretty good mix of both. Um, I, there's moments where I've, I'm probably a real extrovert, but then I have friends that would probably tell you that I don't talk that much. It's really according to where I'm at, what environment I'm in. Um, but I am definitely always uh in a position put myself in a position to learn as much as i can no matter what environment i'm in you had a lot of success in, in high school and then you you went to uh, la tech first and um you know there's a lot of transfers now in in college basketball and and you transferred um to an naia school so talk a little bit about that journey and, and what you learned from from that and, and how that propelled you to, you know, the end, the WNBA? Um, well, I really um, went to La Tech and I'm from a small rural town in Oklahoma, okay? Uh, that has a population about, I grew up in a town with about a population of 430 people. Wow. The only black family in town was my family. I prepared for the big city mm. by any means. So you, you were saying that you're not... You, you I wasn't prepared for the big mm -hmm. city by any means. So uh, it was kind of a culture shock for me. Um, one of the first things that happened to me, I was taken to a party and left there completely. You're talking about a kid that had never even been to a party before. Wow. So anyway, I just felt like I tried to transfer it back to Southeastern. It was just a really good fit for me. Uh, it wasn't that far from my home. And I played tennis in college also. I played wow. number one and number two singles. So... It gave me a chance to also play two sports. Wow. And I, I thought I had the one thing that we had in common. You never see basketball and tennis being the two sports that people play in college. And you and I both did that. That's crazy. I played that number two crazy. doubles. I played number two doubles and five singles. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's crazy awesome. for real. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. I love tennis and I didn't start playing tennis until I was 14. 
Wow. And I was pretty good at it. And I walked onto the tennis team and I challenged everybody. I beat everybody but the number one girl. And she barely <laughs> That's so great. I love that. That has me hyped right now. Wow. So you yeah, came back. So I absolutely love tennis. Wow, that's cool. Well, so I came got, back to Southeastern and yeah. fell in, got to be a student and play sports. And it wasn't the same pressures, but I also caught a lot of flag. Like I had to make it in the professional ranks the hard way instead of going from college. And, you know, I still ended up being the, the number six uh, pick in the draft, but it was because of the American Basketball League. I, had, I was rookie of the year in that league. And, you know, it was some great players in that league. Heck yeah. So. Crystal, can you talk about what the difference, and obviously the ABL folded, but what was the difference you saw from the ABL to the WNBA from the outset? The ABL was more of a player-led league. I felt like the players were very invested in making that league go because we didn't have the backing of like the WNBA. The WNBA was more just like a strictly a professional league. It's, it's a, a different feel between the two how we were invested and tied to the growth and the success of the WN, of the, the American Basketball League. It just felt like the WNBA automatically garnered that respect because of who they were tied to. Yeah, that's awesome. So you played in the ABL for the Colorado Explosion, and then you get drafted mm -hmm. by the New York Liberty. You're homesick. Yeah. You talk about not being ready for the big city. How? how did you adjust to New York, uh, you know, or did you never really take to it? Ended up loving New York. It's like my second home. But when I first got drafted by New York, I was not livid, but I was stressed out. I did not want to be going to live in the Big Apple. That was not exactly. And I already had it all worked out. I was going to be the 10th pick for Phoenix Mercury. Um, hmm. I knew that, I, that. And New York took me out of the blue. I was not even expected. When my name came across as six picked up, my eyes was like, whoa, because I was pretty sure I was going to get drafted by uh, uh, Reggie Miller's sister. Yeah. Um, at the time, she was the head coach. Cheryl. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, and back then, you know, the, the salaries weren't what they were now. So I didn't go overseas while I played in the ABL, but as soon as I became a WNBA player, I went overseas immediately. Mm -hmm. We played in the summer at that point, and then the ABL, we played in the winter. I played uh, Greece, Israel, Russia, uh, Korea. I won a European a Euro Cup championship and a championship in every country I've been in. Wow. And, and so what was your favorite experience abroad? Uh, I lived in Italy for four years, and I'm fluent in Italian, so I, wow. I probably have to say Italian was my favorite experience. Um, I could live there forever. I loved Italy. You're listening to an interview with Crystal Robinson, who's from Atoka, Oklahoma. She went to Southeastern Oklahoma State University, where she scored over 3,000 points and averaged nearly a triple-double in college. She is currently working for a new company after she was an assistant coach with the Dallas Wings of the WNBA and after winning a WNBA championship in 2018 and 19 with the Seattle Storm. She is in the Oklahoma Sports Hall of Fame and she scored over 3,023 points in college. She had over 1,165 rebounds 
547 assists, and 376 steals. She also had 162 blocks. She helped them to two consecutive national runner-up finishes. And as a coach, uh, she has coached in college and in high school. Uh, she started with the Washington Mystics in 2007-2008. She went to McAllister High School, then to Murray State Community College, then to Utah State uh, D1 in Utah as an assistant, then to Texas Christian University as an assistant, back to her hometown in Atoka uh, as a head coach at Atoka High School, and then as I mentioned with the Seattle Storm and then the Dallas Wings. And now back to this incredible interview with Crystal Robinson in the Sports Deli. So you're in the you're in the WNBA for a number of years and then you started coaching. And so you, you said the biggest thing you like about coaching is the impact you had on kids' lives. When you go back and, and get the collective memories and thoughts, coaches are some of the first people you think about. And so, you know, you've transitioned uh, you know, in this off season, you're not coaching right now. And you, you know, you can talk a little bit about that, but you know, what has your experience been like as a coach for the last two decades? Uh, I've learned a lot. I'll tell you that. Um, I've learned mostly that you have to coach individuals. You can't coach everyone the same. It's not a, a blanket formula. If you really want to be good at it. I've learned that practices for yelling game times is for problem solving. Uh, just learning how to motivate and structure and uh, figure out how to get the best out of each person um, is, is a challenge of every coach. And just having the opportunity to do those things and uh, add some of those things to, to what I to my X's and O's, I think that was probably the, the most thing, the biggest thing I learned about basketball is more about how you motivate your players and get them to play than X's and O's. You can have a bad philosophy. And they can still be successful if the players believe in it and execute it the right way. So yeah. when it, and when you see that, it comes down to, to motivation and get convincing players to give up some of themselves to be successful. So the psychology part of it is more important to me than the X's and O's of it. So you won a, you won a um, WNBA championship with Seattle in 2018 and 19. And, you know, you were in a sort of a rebuild with Dallas when you were there this past year with Brian. And, you know, you had one of the best young and upcoming players in the WNBA, Arike Ogumbawale. And, um, you know, you, you, she's spoken very highly of you. Your players always spoke very highly of you. Uh, I've talked about on the show that, uh, you know, I thought you were deserving uh, of that position as the head coach that Vicky, uh, that Vicky got. But, but what, what, did, what differences did you notice with, uh, you know, someone like Sue Bird, the, a veteran with Seattle, you know, versus Arike, you know, a young uh, rising star with Dallas and, and uh, what it really takes to, to win that championship? I'm glad you brought it up. Um, I, um, I actually was offered uh, Greg Bibb, who is the president there. He um, I, was, I, I interviewed for that head coaching job, and I interviewed for that head coaching job and told Greg from the beginning, if I'm not going to, if I'm not, I'm only taking head coaching jobs. If it's not me, then I, I'm not going to be here. So I think that when he hired VJ, he thought that me and VJ, since we played together, that I was going to be a closed door 
oh, uh, Crystal to come on. And I told him when he called me and he told me, uh, I decided I'm going to go with VJ. I told him, thank you for your time. And I hopefully, hopefully you guys are successful. Like VJ has always been like a sister for me. And uh, I wish nothing but success for her. But at the same time, like I told you, VJ and I had, VJ, uh, VJ's had an opportunity to be a head coach before. Um, I haven't. If I'm going to ride on someone's laurels, it's going to be my own. I'm going to take a chance on me. Not that I, I hope VJ is super successful, and I know VJ knows our X's and O's, but at this point in my life, yeah. I'm, I'm done being an assistant coach. I have lots of other opportunities to do other things. Um, so, you know, just wish them luck. I wasn't his choice, and for me, if I work for you for two or three years and a head coaching job comes open and you are, don't feel like you're loyal enough to me, to give me that job, then I wouldn't even offer me an assistant coaching job. For me, I, I think that Greg thought he was doing the right thing, but I've been an inherited assistant before, and it was not a good situation, and I don't ever want to do that again because I don't need anybody to give me anything or do me any favors. So that's just kind of how I am with basketball. So hopefully BJ is very successful. Hope Dallas is successful. Enrique is one of my favorite people. Me and her we're pretty close, so I wish them nothing but success. It just won't include me or my services. That's simple. Uh, difference between Enrique and Sue is experience. I mean, Enrique has all this crazy talent, but Sue has had a super high IQ her whole career. I mean, that's how she, Sue's not out there just out athleticizing people. Um, she's just mm -hmm. probably the smartest basketball player on the planet. Um, and when Enrique's uh, mentality, her basketball IQ catches up with her ability, she will be unstoppable, in my opinion. What, what does she have to what does she have to work on? You, uh, young players, the only way they know how to take ownership is to shoot the ball more. I think that Rike does all of that. She does she takes plenty of shots. To me, it's about her becoming more efficient and understanding how to get her points without having to be a volume scorer. So uh, and a simple formula that Skylar Diggins and I talked about was uh, simplify, change the mountain into a molehill. Instead of trying to score 30 points a game, score four baskets a quarter. <laughs> so you, it, it sounds much easier to say I have to score 12 baskets in a game than to score 30 points. So change your mentality about that. And, and Skylar did that this season, and you saw what kind of numbers she put up. I applaud you for uh, stepping away. I know a lot of people, you know, they, they can't necessarily do that. That's not an easy thing to do. Um, and, but I wanted to ask you with regards to uh, the season, this past season, um, how the wobble and the bubble handled the, um, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. And I know this is an important, you know, uh, issue for you and, and us here in the sports deli. Uh, what, what were your thoughts about it? Um, you know, obviously the NBA is more prominent. They got more money. They produce more revenue. Uh, but the WNBA made a lot of noise. And, uh, you know, I know we were proud of them. But what, what were your thoughts on it? What should we do going forward? Because I've been very public about Kelly Loeffler's minority ownership of the Atlanta Dream and how I don't believe that she should be in that position and, and the players should boycott next year if she's not out by then. Well, I was very proud of the WNBA players. Those young players... Uh, stood solid and they fought for things that 
and we're very comfortable doing it. And I think that this is a new uh, breed of young players that's really smart, that's going to fight for some things that I think some of the older players were not, didn't want to push the envelope or the boundaries on. Um, and just real proud to see how they came together. For me, it's about spreading a lot of that resources uh, to help this our community instead of spending all my time arguing and complaining. I have the people who argue and complain, what are you really doing to make it better? So I just feel like if you're going to spend a lot of time, what are you doing that's going to help it? Uh, and there's a lot to complain about. And not even, don't, most people don't even know where to start. Basically, what I did was expose kids to uh, professions and different things uh, to help give them ideas of things that they might want to do with their lives or, you know, things like that. And when I say resources, that's what I'm talking about, those types of things, um, because it's enough. We can talk about all of the but how are we going to fix it? And I'm just not the kind of person who spends all their time focusing and complaining about the problem. I'm ready to move on. What's the solutions? So and then I can, then I can put energy behind that. Yeah, no doubt. Well, all those kinds of grassroots grassroots programs. Uh, we we had guests on before. We have uh, an artist that was on from Cleveland, and he said, you know, he wants young kids to see black and brown people that do other things be, besides playing sports. You know, you talk a lot about financial freedom. You know, and and uh, educating, uh, especially families about. You know, most people don't even have $400 of uh, savings in their accounts. And, you know, that's a big problem, especially with regards to systemic racism and, and uh, minorities. You know, and that's one thing that you're passionate about. Yeah, but that, that, that has a lot to do with us and how we manage our money and what we spend our money on and just really knowing the power of a dollar. Like when you come up in a, in a, in a whole culture where Think about it. If you don't know anything about money and you've never had any money, then all of a sudden someone gives you $25 million. What are you going to do with it? You have no, you're not even prepared to use that money in the right way. So it's just a lot of education that, that has to go on. It's for us to make our money grow, for us to make our money powerful. Um, if, 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 if you value diamonds and things like that, and that's where you want to invest your money, what it, we are, we're, ultimately telling our the youth what's important. <laughs> so we have to start preaching the things that's important in our community if we want them to stick. So we can't sing about walk and twerking and, and spend all of our energy on that and expect kids are one day not going to want to spend their money on twerking, walk and diamonds. I mean, it's what we put out there is what they're going to give us back. So Crystal, is there any, is there in the WNBA, was there any financial literacy type of programs that were put to the players when they came into the league? When I came into the WNBA, um, they give you a one day course and talk to you a little bit about it, but not a financial literacy course to where you really understand your money. Um, and to me, to, to me, it's like investing in uh, pre healthcare, like the pre things that you do so you don't get sick. If you're just joining us, we were interviewing Crystal Robinson, former WNBA coach and former WNBA player, successful businesswoman, mentor, uh, and a true shero in the African-American and black and brown communities. Uh, she was in her hometown of Atoka, Oklahoma, in the middle of this podcast um, as it just ended um, moments ago. 
and she was arrested and subsequently jailed uh, as a result of racial profiling and what they claim was attempting to bring THC um, marijuana into the jail. Uh, so I'll be talking a little bit about that whole situation and what transpired over the course of the next couple of days right after the police pulled her over in the middle of our podcast. Uh, and um, from what I've learned is uh, uh, another unfortunate example of systemic racism in America. Stay tuned for the next part of the discussion about Crystal Robinson and her arrest and subsequent jailing for one night in the sports deli. Hey everyone, I just wanted to clarify something when you listen to the podcast today. It's very important that you understand that uh, who we're talking about had a medical marijuana card and she was legally allowed to have marijuana, which is permitted in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, you are allowed to have medical marijuana. So just keep this in mind when you listen to the story and the aftermath and the lead up to her arrest and uh, subsequent jailing and the charges and what was uh, leaked to the newspaper that was completely um, mischaracterized uh, and uh, again the fact that she had a medical marijuana card to allow her because of her time in the NBA because of her torn ACL because of her her slip discs uh, you know it's something that's very much needed in her life to be able to handle the pain that she's in and instead of being on uh, prescription medication you know she's chosen this um, natural alter alternative and it's something that they try to use against her and uh, produce false charges. So keep this in mind. Thanks again for listening to the Sports Deli and enjoy today's podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sports Deli. I'm Hootie Hoot and today we're going to be talking about systemic racism in America and you can always send us a message to thesportsdeli at gmail.com or you can DM me on Instagram at Mike Hootner or on Twitter at Michael Hootner. So uh, I was thinking about whether or not I wanted to do this podcast and you know there's been times recently where I just wonder if what we're doing is doing any good. You know we've had uh, what's going on about 2,000 downloads as of today which is a couple days before Christmas during this pandemic year of 2020 and what happened a couple days ago um, you know along with some other reminders about what's going on in this country made me realize that I absolutely shouldn't wait to talk about this type of thing that I'm going to um, talk to you about and with you today. And, you know, I've recently, uh, during this racial reckoning, read the book White Fragility. Uh, very, very good read. 
that taught me a lot of things. Um, and as I've said many times on the podcast before, I believe this is largely a white problem that's going on in America, not just now, but because of the people that run this country, which is mainly white America, white men, that it's incredibly important that we uh, step up and not only be against racism, but be anti-racist. And, um, you know, this administration has been very divisive. Um, and, you know, I just want to make sure that the conversation continues. I'm listening to Obama's book right now. And, uh, you know, it's in the beginning stages of it. Um, I have to admit I'm listening to it. I'm not actually reading it, but uh, that's just because of my lifestyle and it just uh, is a better fit for my situation. But, um, you know, and then I think about George Floyd and, and Emmett Till and Breonna Taylor and, um, you know, like I said, what, what happened the other night that I'm going to share with you, which was live right here in the sports deli, uh, another example of systemic racism uh, that we, me and John, Dr. J and I were a part of um, and witnessed and listened to firsthand. And so I think it's important that we uh, hopefully, as a result of this racial profiling that c occurred and um, somebody that was jailed uh, for something that uh, people sh have have been jailed for far greater things and the fact that this happened was just a, a complete injustice uh, in my mind from what I've learned so far about the situation and uh, just terribly upsetting. Uh, it's completely thrown me off and I've talked in the past about the accumulation effect when it comes to systemic racism, especially from the perspective of people of color. And if this is the first time that you've listened to our podcast, um, Dr. Jay's usually with me. Coach K's been with us in the past. Uh, special guest host, Wendell Save Wallace. Via I East. Uh, Wendell Wallace uh, has been a guest host before with us, and I'm flying solo today. But, um, you know, I'm a white 51-year-old male. And what I've tried to do since we've started this podcast is to listen a lot and try and learn and share in this platform the voices of our guests and their experiences, which have been uh, plentiful and I would say semi-powerful, from Dr. Richard Lapchick, a civil rights activist, to a number of plenty powerful Division I coaches, women of color, uh, several WNBA players, including uh, the one that I'm going to talk about shortly, uh, who's involved in this fiasco and this uh, um, terrible um, injustice within the last couple of days. And I, I just realized that, um, you know, I have to be one of the white voices. I'm not wealthy, I don't have clout, I'm not Tom Brady. I'm not Jerry Jones, I'm not Brett Favre, uh, I'm not Jay Cutler. I wish I was, I wish I was able to uh, have that type of impact where people might listen to what I have to say uh, on a larger scale, 
but nonetheless, I'm doing the best that I can, and so is John, and so is Gordon when he was with us. Um, as as white men, and we're John and I, uh, Dr. Jane and I are both Jewish as well, so we come at it from from another perspective. But anti-Semitism is is a completely different um, thing to tackle than systemic racism. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. I hope you enjoy, uh, and maybe it challenges you a little bit and evokes some uh, emotion to get you jump-started to say, I didn't realize the magnitude of this problem. Um, And, you know, you're willing to step outside of your comfort zone and, you know, maybe do some things locally or even at the state level or within your own homes with your own friends and family. And uh, we can start to, with grassroots projects, um, change the narrative in this country between black and white America. So I was on a podcast along with Dr. J a couple days ago um, with this woman, 46-year-old African-American woman who was from Atoka, Oklahoma, and she was getting uh, out of her home because she was on a business call and she was um, suspending that business call temporarily to be on our podcast. Now, I had DM'd her a couple months before. We just never found time to hook up and she was gracious enough to find time during a very busy time for her, a number of business uh, endeavors that she's involved with. Uh, She's a former WNBA coach, former WNBA player. She was in the Wubble last year. And uh, she doesn't know me or Dr. J from a, from a hole in the ground. You know, she doesn't know us from Adam, and we don't know her from Eve. And so we're about 22 minutes in. We're talking about a number of great things and, and um, about Black Lives Matter and, you know, her uh, being proactive about solutions and not sitting around complaining. And uh, it, was, it was just a, a, a great... Uh, learning experience to share space with her up until this point and uh, she says hold on a minute I think I'm getting pulled over Uh, so she gets pulled over and she puts the phone down at an angle where we can see the police officer which from my perspective came over to the passenger side and I was already suspicious you know I'm thinking in my head based on my experiences you know, I've always had police officers, not many times, but come over to the driver's side. Why are you going over to the passenger side? Now, I don't know anything about Oklahoma law and, you know, could be an inexperienced officer. Could I don't know if it was a local officer as of yet or if it was a state trooper. Uh, so that matters. Anyways, um, license and registration. Well, I'm borrowing my mom's car. Uh, I don't really have my license. I have other forms of ID, she says. And he says, okay, well, what do you have? And she's flipping through, um, you know, the various cards. And he says, well, let me see your, um, your medical ID card. That'll be sufficient. And so, you know, she's a little bit agitated and, and, uh, one of the things that I've talked about in the past 
is that there's an accumulation effect, I think, with African Americans that we can't even comprehend. The second they walk out of their house, the second they get in their car, the second they start walking down the street, go into a store, pull up at a gas station, there is this subconscious uh, feeling that they have to look over their shoulder or do double takes and wonder if people are looking at them differently because of the color of their skin. And have we moved forward in this country in some respects? Yes. But does racial profiling still exist? Yes. And this is not the only example. You and I both know that this has occurred um, on many levels prison reform, education reform, small business, voter suppression, um, job hiring, it, it, the list goes on and on. Um, the, the, the legal laws, mandatory minimums, uh, you know, uh, three strikes and you're out. Uh, education, there's not internet in, in many inner cities or rural areas, uh, so there's, there's, a, there's a gap in education. You know, there, there's just so many layers to this. And so he takes her medical ID card. Uh, and then she says a couple different times, you can hang up and, you know, I was just worried about her. I just didn't feel comfortable hanging up initially. And then after the second or third time, she goes, you know, I'm good. I'm from this town. You can hang up. You know, uh, I, I know people... Uh, here and you know I probably even know the police officer and you know so anyways he goes well I pulled you over because you had your brights on now I don't know about you but I've been in small towns before many times recruiting as a college basketball coach like towns that have no lights and at night you got to put your lights on like, it's so dark, like, you're scared. And I would imagine that it was the same kind of situation. Even though she's from there, it's still dark, right? So she's got her brights on, and then she tells the officer the reason she has the brights on is because she couldn't see with the regular beams that are a little low on her mom's car, and she turned the brights on. And so... Anyways, at this point, she asked me to stop recording again, and I stopped recording. Now, I didn't hear from her for the next hour. I get nervous the next couple of hours, so I called the police station, and I just had a, a bad feeling. And I said, is she there? And I, I named her name, and uh, they said yes. I said, well, why is she there? I said, I'm from the Sports Deli podcast, and I'd like to know why she's being detained. I don't know anything about the law, if I even had a right to ask this question, but I was sincerely worried about her. I started reaching out to her former teammates in the WNBA, uh, former coaches of hers that she worked with, her lawyer, whose name I found on Instagram, who I thought I found on Instagram. I still don't know if that was him. Um, but I couldn't get a hold of anyone, and I so I called back a second time, and I said, uh, did, she, did she get her phone call? They said yes. I said, well, I'd like to speak to her. I said, nobody gets pulled over. Nobody goes to jail for having their headlights on, their brights on. Like, what is going on here? I said, she is an outstanding member of the community. She's, you know, uh, an amazing person. She's 
been, uh, you know, successful in business, you know, obviously former WNBA player, WNBA coach. Well, we can't, you can't talk to her. She's sleeping. So I said, please leave my information for her. So if she needs anything, she can call me. Now, again, she doesn't really know me that well, but I just felt like, you know, I needed to make sure because of everything that I thought of in the past of situations like this. I was just thinking the worst, unfortunately, you know, Brianna Taylor and George Floyd. And, you know, I didn't know what was going on. And it just all seemed very surreal to me. So anyways, the next morning I get a message and she says, I'm out. And that was basically it. I didn't really hear much from her. I said, okay, well, when you get a chance, um, you know, give me a call and let me know what happened. So I didn't really hear much the next day. Um, You know, she just said, you know, I want to be left alone right now just because, uh, you know, I need to figure some things out. I'm I'm pursuing some things and, um, you know, I'll contact you soon and we'll talk about all the details down the road. So I said, okay. So the next morning, which is today, I get a message that um, it was leaked to the media. So I look it up and it says, uh, WM, former WNBA, something to this extent, former WNBA player and uh, coach uh, arrested in Atoka, Oklahoma uh, for having a suspended license and uh, possession of THC basically marijuana so I get a call from Oklahoma not long thereafter and it's it's her and so she tells me um, let me backtrack a little bit so I was talking about accumulation how somebody uh, who has had that talk with their family growing up and then every day after that to the talk is for those of you that don't know aunts and uncles or parents or grandparents with African-Americans, for the most part, all have the talk about what you're supposed to do if you're pulled over by a cop. Put your hands at 10 and 2 on the steering wheel and just say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. And uh, even when a cop uh, says, um, don't uh, uh, calm down, it's one of the things that, um, you know, you just really shouldn't say to someone from a good friend of mine's personal experiences with uh, who's an African-American who's uh, done training uh, with police officers to educate them better uh, is something that you should say uh, to someone who's an African-American who's agitated because it makes the situation worse. But anyways, the talk is, you know, a different set of rules basically for African-Americans when they get pulled over because of racial profiling and systemic racism and how they have to uh, basically... Um, act differently and and not upset an officer, typically a white officer. So she tells me, go back, fast forward now back to our conversation, and she says that they uh, detained her because she had a suspended license and uh, she was um, uh, carrying... um, paraphernalia into uh, the jail that she tried to bring paraphernalia she tried to bring drugs into into jail well this is ridiculous right because they had her on the cop car after I hung up with her uh, Dr. J and I hung up with her 
why didn't they frisk her? So you're going to put her in the cop car, not frisk her, take her back to jail, and then you're going to claim that she brought drugs into the jail? No. That's, that's not how it works. So the whole thing is just literally up to this point ridiculous. Um, and when she's telling me this story, I'm just like, I, I just, you know, the fact that you know this stuff happens, uh, you know, and she had had a previous speeding ticket before and, you know, some other things, um, you know, supposedly on her record. And what I've been told, you know, in terms of uh, having tickets, every, you know, not everybody, but people get tickets, so it's on your record. So sometimes you may have a suspended license. And let me tell you this. My license is expired right now during this pandemic. And I'll be damned if you're going to find me in a DMV. I am not going to get my license renewed until I feel like it's safe. So this person was coaching in the WNBA, in the Wubble. She, um, you think she's had time trying to get her you know, uh, current endeavors in order. And even if she did have time, she's going to go to the DMV. Like that's a priority. I understand that doesn't bode well for people, you know, who say, Oh, well, you know, this, this, and this, you know, you should have had your license up to date. Right. In normal circumstances, I agree with you, but it's just ridiculous. And so I've had situations where my license has been expired during this pandemic at the bank in particular, and I had to make a large deposit, and the policy was that I was not able to make the deposit because my license was expired. I talked to the manager. Long story short, they let me because they said, yeah, we understand that you can't get to the DMV. That was, that's a normal situation because I'm white. She's black, and so what I was told by a very good friend of mine who's an African-American who I told you earlier works with police officers and administrations, has worked with the Clinton administration and the Bush administration, and now works for the Rock of Families, for, for um, Dan Gilbert, the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is a powerful brother. That police officers have discretion in situations like this, and they specifically have on their screens... Uh, why the license is suspended. And so you would think, unless there was something uh, outrageous on their record, that they would say, well, uh, you know, next time, ma'am, just make sure that you watch your bright lights to oncoming traffic because it can affect other drivers, you know, but we understand, you know, I understand why you had your brights on and you have a good evening. But nope. They detained her for six hours before they made the decision to put her in jail. She was in jail overnight, away from her family. And, um, you know, you know, I, I think about all the things going on in this country. And, you know, in, a, in, a, in her hometown for this to happen. And, a, you know, I think about, like I said, all the things that have happened in the past that we've talked about that we know about that have happened with racial profiling and systemic racism and you know I think about uh, Kelly Loeffler the owner of the Atlanta Dream and you know how ridiculous it is that that she's a minority owner with that team and just all these things coming into my head um, when she's telling me all these things and I just felt so terrible for her um, and so uh, we get off the phone and, and uh, you know, uh, she, was, she, she was involved in uh, a new business deal. Um, and 
basically her likeness was going to afford her a new opportunity to get a percentage of this new company and be paid handsomely uh, up front. And, you know, from what I've learned about the situation, she was racially profiled. She was pulled over because she was black. She was pulled over because who knows what the police officer thought. Uh, maybe she was uh, involved in some illegal dealings. I, I, I can't speak for the police officer. But he did say at one point that he pulls everybody over who has their bright lights on. Man, come on. Anytime a police officer says they do uh, something all the time is a bold-faced lie. No police officer pulls somebody over for something the same way. I've had police officers pass me when I'm going 75 and they're going 85. You know, uh, police officers don't pull somebody over all the time on a country road in a dark country road all the time if their brights are on. They know darn well that people need to have their brights on because it's not easy to see. So it's, it's just literally ridiculous. And so, Crystal, uh, I'm really sorry this happened to you. Um, we're doing everything in our power on this podcast to um, try and help enlighten people, uh, listen and learn and, and pay it forward and teach, especially white America, who doesn't really understand the magnitude that this is real, of how big this is, that it still exists, that you were racially profiled, um, that this wouldn't have happened to a white person. Um, Crystal Robinson, former WNBA player and WNBA coach, businesswoman, someone who uh, helps young kids uh, learn about their money, who's involved in fighting against human trafficking, who's a, a wonderful person, um, takes care of her family, and she has to deal with this uh, because she left her house to try and get better internet access. Uh, trying to work on a business deal and talk to us on her podcast. And it just makes me so sad, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make me lose hope. I still have tremendous hope for this country. Um, and uh, I know uh, whatever is going to happen legally is going to happen, but um, I just felt like it was important to speak on this topic and the other aspects of what we talked about on the podcast prior to her um, arrest and subsequent jailing, I'll release at a later date. Um, but all of you, I encourage you to um, listen and learn from people that don't look like you, especially African Americans. Don't act like this isn't your problem. It's not enough just to not be racist, but to be anti-racist is a uh, a whole different level of what's required of us white folks, especially. We need policy changes. We need to teach young minds and young African Americans how to handle their money better, how to prioritize, how uh, education is so important and pivotal uh, to helping change the course of their lives. And we need a collective effort in every corner of America. So um, do what you can locally. Do what you can in your own homes. Um, Crystal, I'm really sorry this happened to you, but like you uh, have, have said, you're going to try and do everything you can to uh, educate people about this type of thing. Um, 
you know, you're going to continue to try and uh, bridge the gap between white and black America and your way. And I applaud you for who you are. Um, I'm sorry that this injustice happened to you. And just know that we, we support you um, and everyone else who's been a victim of racial profiling and social injustice in the world and here in America. If you want to send us an email, you can do so to thesportsdeli at gmail.com, thesportsdeli at gmail.com, or you can DM us on Instagram or on Twitter. On Instagram, it's at Mike Hootner, and on Twitter, it's at Michael Hootner. Uh, Dr. J was with me on the initial part of this uh, podcast when uh, Crystal was pulled over, and so I just felt like it was important that uh, we do uh, some education and talk about this subject. Uh, and like I said, I'm just a regular guy from Detroit, Michigan, you know, uh, who's integrated into my high school at a young age. And uh, I had tremendous experiences growing up that offered me uh, unbelievable perspectives on white and black America firsthand. I was the only white guy on my varsity basketball team in high school. Um, you know, I've had incredible, diverse experiences as a coach. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, but one of the mistakes I'm not going to make is to be on the wrong side of history when it comes to trying to change the narrative in this country between black and white America. Blacks make one-sixth the amount of money that African Americans make with the same degrees. African American women have it worse in many respects. Um, and what we need to do is... Uh, start with uh, everybody in their homes and build up from there as the foundation um, so like I said send me an email if you have any questions any comments DM me uh, or Dr. J and appreciate you listening to the special edition the special edition of the sports deli um, talking about a specific situation another unfortunate example of racial profiling and systemic racism in America, here in the sports deli, talking about a situation that happened with Crystal Robinson, former WNBA player and WNBA coach. Until next time, please mask up and remember Black Lives Matter. Peace.